Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. I got a lot to jump through today. We got a big sermon. Is that okay? Can we speak truth here at Grace City Tampa? Can we just be real, like no fluff? No fluff. We don't need fluff. We're in week five of our Blessed Are Those sermon series, a series through the Beatitudes, which means supreme blessedness. And we're really talking through chapters five, six, and seven of Matthew, which is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sermons of all time, one of his first sermons. And Jesus gets up at the beginning of his sermon, starts the whole thing off with these very countercultural, paradoxical statements. And he stands there and says, here's how you can inherit the kingdom of God. Here's how you can live the fullest life you want to live. Here's how you can inherit the things that God has for you in this life and live a life of bless. And so Jesus gets up and says these statements and just says them one off real quick. Here's the blessing. Blessed are those, blessed are those. And he uses this word blessed, which really means contentment, fulfillment, happiness and not based on the happenings around us, but based on the happiness that God gives. So it's really our purpose in this life. And how many want purpose today? How many want to be fulfilled? How many want satisfaction in this life? And we want to know that what we're doing today counts for tomorrow. Anybody want that today? I know I do. So let's jump in. I'm going to read the Beatitudes. Verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they were persecuted, they persecuted the prophets before you. So the fifth beatitude we're focusing on today. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. I also wanna read Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, that's a pretty big but right there. If you do not forgive others' sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Let's pray one last time. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even in a moment like this where we publicly read it, it can speak to us. I pray it settles in every heart. Break down mindsets. Anybody that's newer to our community and they're feeling withheld, God, I pray they would be open and ready and available. Help us to be changed and transformed from the inside out today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. In a world where this seems completely countercultural. Like really, I would say when Jesus wrote this, 
It's more for us today than it has ever been. It actually is one of the most countercultural statements that we can read today that goes against what the world looks like in the year 2022. He says, show mercy and you will be shown mercy. See, I think we, we really almost live in a culture where it's like we're ready to just instant judge. I maybe call it insta-judge, not Instagram judge, but just insta-judge. Like I've experienced this pretty much my whole life. People see you once and they make an assumption about you, insta-judged. I remember being a senior in high school, I was going through a graphic design class and the teacher gets up at the end of the class, like we're ready to go into the world and make a difference, all this stuff. And he goes, and I nominate Alex as the most likely to become a used car salesman. I was like, what are you trying to say about me, bro? Like, I know I, I basically sell afterlife insurance now, but like, don't judge that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. That was terrible. But even going into college, I remember there was always this wall with people and I would come up against them and, and it was like hard for me to find like really good friends. Like I could hang in groups, but like the really true friends. And once I'd break down the wall, I'd be like, what was it? Why weren't you like real with me from the, from the beginning? And they said, yeah, you're just kind of like loud and like overconfident. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like they just instant judged me, right? Anybody else? Are you with me today? When I got back from college and I locked eyes with this beautiful lady, I was like, I got to marry this girl. And other people were telling her in her ear, yeah, back in high school, he wasn't the greatest guy, so you should avoid him. Like all these people don't know my journey, don't know the last two years of Bible college, what God did in me just absolutely, you know, wrecked me in so many ways and brought me into a new level of my belief and my calling. And they had no idea. They judged me based on a preconceived idea or maybe what they thought of me in the past, but... You know, this is really what culture has taught us to do. Culture tells us to judge based on feelings. Culture tells us that we can judge based on appearances. We've all done this before, or maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> culture tells us that we can judge people before we even give them a shot. Culture tells us that if you do one wrong thing, you're canceled. And there's this cancel culture that's running rampant the last couple of years through our society where people are just ready at the drop of a hat, at one wrong word, at one wrong thing, they're ready just to cancel things. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, you know, six years ago, Mr. Johnny Depp got all of a sudden accused of all of these things, not saying I know, I'm not going to say which side I'm on, okay? Like, we can talk later about that, that's okay. But Johnny gets accused of all these things and instantly gets judged. And Disney calls out and goes, boom, no more movies with Johnny Depp. And everybody blocks him off and he's blocked from Hollywood for all these years. And yet six years later, here we are at the most publicized trial of all time. Like more memes made about this trial than every, any other trial on the face of the earth ever. Like you talk about, it's all over Instagram, all over TikTok. Like this trial is everywhere. And all of a sudden, we're realizing that there's a little more to the story. And we shouldn't have instant judged. Now, I'm not saying I know which side wins. Like, we're all going to find that out this week. Like, hold on tight. It's going to be great. <laughs> Stay tuned. But we're so quick to just instantly judge. And we're so quick to simply do this because culture tells us to do this. And you want to know why? You want to know why? It's because it's easier to cancel than to give mercy. It's easier to cancel than to give mercy. 
It's easier to cut the ties and walk away and say, I have nothing to do with that than to give mercy. See, it's better in our culture to immediately cut ties than to go through that process with people. And because of our broken culture, we feel like we have to maintain our own self-appearance so we cancel others that we might look better. Are you with me? This is exactly what Disney did. Rather than understanding the full, you know, going through the courts and understanding that he is proven guilty, that there's actual evidence of that, they instead go, nope, let's cut ties because we don't want to be affiliated with that. This is our culture today. We cancel politicians for mistakes or one wrong word. We delete Instagrams because they say something we don't agree with. We reject people if they have opposing beliefs in us. So then Jesus, 2,000 years ago, which I'm sure there was parts of this back then as well, he comes out and says, show mercy and you will be shown mercy. Show mercy and you will be shown mercy. See, Christians aren't meant to be culture followers. Christians are meant to be culture setters. Somebody needs to hear that again. Christians are not meant to be culture followers. We are meant to be culture setters. Jesus calls us into this upside down way of thinking. That we would offer forgiveness, love, and mercy to those who have wronged us, wronged others, or even wronged God. He says, you want mercy in your life? Give mercy. I told you this was serious. No fluff, right? Are you guys still hanging on for dear life right now? You want mercy, give mercy. This last week as we were leaving church, this last Sunday, we got all our kids and had all the bags and it was always stressful when you're trying to like leave a place with four kids, six and under. We got into the elevator and we're kind of talking about where we're gonna get lunch and Evelyn like leans up and grabs my arm. She's three about to be four. And she goes, Daddy, can we go to McDonald's? And I go, no, sweetheart. Like, that's not gonna be good for you, not gonna be good for me, it's not gonna be good for us later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then she goes, Dad, like she took away the daddy. She doesn't call me daddy unless she wants something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dad, can we please go to McDonald's? No, Evelyn, I just told you we're not going to McDonald's. So then she like creeps over to mom five feet away. <laughs> Mommy, can we go to McDonald's? And then like a great wife and a great parent, she goes, what did your dad say? <laughs> and then she begins to freak out, right? Three, almost four, like trying to figure this thing out. And she begins to cry and, and vocally, you know, show us that she's in distress about the fact she doesn't get to go to McDonald's. She's walking in the parking lot like, I want McDonald's, like crying. And I'm like, Evelyn, you stop right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're at church, okay? Like, figure it out. God's going to strike you down with lightning. And I'm getting a little frustrated, and I'm like, oh, this is just, you know, just stop. It's okay. We're trying to say bye to some people. And we get over to the car, and I'm telling Evelyn, I'm like, we're going to go get food. Don't you worry. We're going to go get food. It's just not going to be McDonald's. And then she leans to me and goes, but, Dad, can we please get McDonald's one last time? That was it. Now, I'm not a perfect father, okay? Can we just talk about this? I'm like 32 years old trying to figure this thing out. Any of you who have figured it out, like, let's talk after this. Let's walk through this because I need some help. And I go, fine, Evelyn, we're just not going to eat anything. <laughs> Brianna looks across the car at me. We're in the van. 
She goes, you can't say that. <laughs> She's like, CBS is going to call. Somebody's going to call CBS on you. And I was like, uh, and she's like, yeah, you can't say that extreme of a statement to our daughter. So I cool off for a second. I come back to her and I go, we are going to get lunch. We're just not going to McDonald's. And I close the door. <laughs> Stay back there. <clears throat> kind of humiliated by my statement, I sit in the car silently next to Brianna. And I'm like, I can't believe that I was that extreme. Like, I'm not going to feed my daughter. That's crazy. But you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the seat and, uh, and I start to think about, oh, I need to write next week's sermon. This is what I do when I leave church. I'm like, okay, we already got another sermon coming up next week. Like, let's write 35 minutes of content today. Like, let's do it. And, uh, and I start thinking about, blessed are those who are merciful. And I thought, what if God dealt with me the way I just dealt with Evelyn? What if God goes, you messed up once, you asked wrong once, you're out. I would be dead in a ditch. I would be dead in a ditch if God dealt with me the same way that I dealt with Evelyn. But aren't you grateful that God is a good father? Aren't you grateful that he wants the best for you? Aren't you grateful that he might not always give you what you want, but he's always gonna give you what you need? We can trust him in that. He's not gonna cancel you because of your shortcomings. And I know for me, I still have a long way to go. I probably won't figure out parenting until they move out of the house. But understand this, that God, <laughs> all right, he gets it. You preach. <laughs> understand this, that God is merciful with us. And he asks us to do the same. So I want you to see this. The first thing we have to understand when we are approaching giving mercy is that we have to receive the mercy we've been shown. You can't give mercy unless you've received this mercy that God has given. We have to get a new perspective and remind ourselves every day of the mercy we've been shown. Two quick scriptures for that. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. When you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Aren't you grateful that God cancels the right things? which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Aren't you grateful for what Jesus has done on the cross? And then Romans 3, 23 through 25. We read it last weekend, but I wanna highlight something else. For all have sinned and all fall short. Everybody say fall. Short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus. So what we see here is your debt has been paid in full. We all have received and been shown mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And he's aware of your humanity. And he still shows you mercy regardless of it. It says in Romans that we all fall short. It didn't say we've all fallen, like just your past. Like God takes your past, he takes your present, and he knows what's gonna happen in the future, and he still just covers it in mercy. He just covers you in mercy, and he, he shows you mercy. He understands it all. Jesus paid our debt in full. We couldn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. And he gave it freely out of love for us. Aren't you grateful for that today, church? Aren't you grateful that we don't have to do anything to earn it? We just get to receive the grace and mercy that Jesus goes. But it's, it's crucial that we understand this because 
if we understand that we didn't do anything to earn it, and we didn't do anything to deserve it, then we won't make others try to earn it or deserve it from us. We need to understand this great statement. That's why we need to fully understand that we've been shown mercy. So now we can give mercy just like that. So now we give mercy. And as we read earlier, Matthew 6, Jesus in the same Sermon on the Mount begins to tell the people how to pray. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is heaven. Goes through the list. This is how you pray. And he says this, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then he stops. It's not up there, but that's okay. <laughs> he stops. And verse 14 is crucial to understand because he's shown us how to pray and now he goes, I need to re-emphasize something I just said so people fully understand it. Whenever Jesus does something like that, we better lean in, right? He goes, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Right after telling people how to pray, he goes, let me make it so clear to you and give you the truth above truth. That if you don't show the love of God, you don't show the mercy and the forgiveness, then you yourself will not be forgiven. Like that's a harsh statement to hear in church today. You thought you were coming in for a fluffy message, Grace City, Tampa, end of May. You're like Mayflowers, spring showers, like all the things. And I'm telling you, if we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts, knowing full well that we've received forgiveness, we will no longer be forgiven is what the scriptures say. I was at King State this last Monday, ran into my friend Josh, who I walk up to him and he thanks me. He goes, thank you for speaking truth at church. I'm like, what? Did, you just thanked me for like punching you in the gut with truth, right? But that's what I'm hoping in this moment, you understand that this is truth. Like, I don't wanna leave here and you not know the truth of the reality of what needs to take place in your life. See, later in Jesus' ministry, he tells a parable of the unfaithful servant. And this is really a detailed example of someone who has received mercy then is unwilling to give it and what their punishment was. So I'll kind of jump through this story quickly. I want you guys to see this great example that Jesus lays out. So Peter comes to Jesus and asks him, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? And Jesus says, up to 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, this is an extreme amount of money. Like, this really equates to somewhere around like $5 billion today, right? That's an extreme amount of money. And since he was not able to pay the master, ordered him and his wife to sell everything to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. He's asking for mercy. Do we see this? The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. See, justice in culture's eyes is to cancel, reject, put him in jail. Yet through the eyes of mercy, he was forgiven a mountain of debt. Aren't you grateful for the eyes of mercy today? I know we all have a mountain of things that we've received mercy for. In verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 
100 silver coins, which equates to around $10,000 today. So it's still a lot of money, but in comparison, it's nothing. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees, begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw it happen, they went to the king. And I'm going to jump to verse 34. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers, had him tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And this is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Jesus shows us in this story that our ability to show mercy means we will be shown mercy. We understand that the debt that has been paid and the mercy we've been shown and the fact that we need to show mercy. But we have to set culture today and choose to have mercy. Even if someone's views oppose our own, we have to approach them with mercy on mercy. Even if we've been wrong time and time again, we have to show mercy. Someone asked me the other day, they said, how do you make it nine years into marriage and still love your wife and and feel just as in love with her. And I said, Brianna's forgiven me a lot. And in reality, we've both forgiven each other a lot in this marriage. It feels like every day there's something that happens that we have to ask for forgiveness for and keep moving forward. And, and that's just the give and the take and the give and the take that we just keep walking in and we keep walking in health in this great tension. And that, I really believe we need to understand the fullness of that is what it looks like for us, we need to keep showing love day after day, and we need to live in this mercy. So mercy simply means not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. It means having compassion on people or taking pity on them. And this is the heart of the Father, who sent his son out of great love and compassion for us. So if we understand that we've been given mercy, then we now have to give mercy. So we understand that mercy's here, we have to give it, but now we need some sort of like tie-in to be able to actually outwork that. And so I have three quick places for you today where you can give mercy. Is it okay to get a little practical in the house? Three places we need to give mercy. First one, give mercy to those in need. This is when it doesn't directly affect you. This one's hard. When it doesn't directly affect you, give mercy. Mark 2, 16 through 17 says, when the teachers of the law who were the Pharisees saw him eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. We have to understand, Grace City, Tampa, that we will always be a hospital for the sick. We will always be the people to say to the least of these, we want to extend a hand. We want to love you and we want to walk you on the journey. Like this isn't a place where I expect everybody to, to have arrived. We're just going to keep arriving together. Is that okay? And we got to understand the beauty of that. We offer mercy to those in need. It has nothing to do with you, yet reach out and give mercy. You know, there's this, uh, this couple that approached me last week and it told me that they had decided to make the week before this great decision to step forward into a new level of righteousness in their relationship. And I was so proud of them. I was celebrating with them. This is such a big deal. Can I tell you, they've been coming to our church for about nine months and not once have I come at them and, and rejected them, scorned them, shamed them. 
We just loved. We just loved. Offered mercy. Said, come journey with us. Like, we're gonna speak truth. We're not shying away from truth here at Grace City Tampa. We're gonna speak truth. We're gonna speak the scripture. And we're gonna move forward. And can I tell you, they, they're so excited. They're gonna join some teams. They're gonna get involved. I know they're so excited about all that God wants to do in and through their life now. And can I tell you that we will always journey with people. We will be a place where people arrive. We're offering mercy to those in need. Every one of us need to understand that we are dealers of mercy. We just seem to be walking around offering mercy, giving mercy freely. Anybody want mercy, take it. Because we understand that the word says that mercy triumphs over judgment. It's not our place to judge. It's God's place to judge. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I want to challenge us with this. What if we thought the best about people before we thought the worst about them? What if we just always made the decision to think the best about people? Have I lost you, church? Are you with me? I know this is a lot. Number two, give mercy to your offenders. This is when it directly affects you. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. So we've all been offended. We've all been personally hurt in one way or another by someone. And we're being called to forgive those who have offended and hurt us. This isn't easy, but it's necessary. How do we do this? I love how Colossians says it. This is why I read the scripture. Colossians says, you want to carry all these virtues? Mercy, love, compassion? Put on love. Put on love. And it brings us right back to what Jesus did when he carried that cross for us. We have to understand this word is not just love like an emotion. This word is a sacrifice. We have to lay down our lives for the sake of others. Put on love so we can show mercy. Are you with me, church? Put on love. So I've been wrong time and time again. I could list off countless stories and, and explain all these different areas where Leaders and friends and all these people have wronged me in my life. I'm sure we all could. We could write books. There was this one leader who did multiple things in my life that hurt me, manipulated me, lied to me. And there were all these things that I was harboring unforgiveness about. And, you know, through some time, it was, it was in 2020, I took some time and went through some counseling and sought out some help from some friends and sat under some really good leaders. And I was able to heal. I was able to restore you know what I did at the end of that? This is right before we planted our church. I called this person. They didn't answer, and that's okay. Because what does it say in Colossians? Um, it talk, or in, uh, sorry, in Mark, it talks about out of your heart. We forgive out of your heart. And so I offered forgiveness. I just called him and said, I want you to know what you've done, in me, done like the good stuff you've done in my life, how much I love you and appreciate you, I don't want to leave it there. You no need to call back. I just want you to know where you're at. The only way to be able to do something like that is when you put on the love of Jesus and you operate like that. And I just encourage you to those who have offended you, those who have wronged you, even as deep as the wounds go, don't carry unforgiveness. Offer mercy. And the last one, I'm going to invite the band up for this one. 
This is probably the most obscure and hard to capture. And I won't be able to give you the full explanation. I think we're so often unaware of this one. But we need to give mercy to yourself. Give mercy to yourself. This is when it's caused by you. Paul wrote to Timothy near the end of his life, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. He considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. See, Paul came to the understanding that he had to move on past his past. All the sin he had committed, the hurt he had committed, the things he had done, he understood his position, yet he knew he had to receive mercy and give mercy to himself for his past. See, we oftentimes self-sabotage. We think we're unworthy or we've done too much. But I can tell you that who the Son sets free is free indeed, and you aren't too far gone. Give mercy to yourself. Give it to yourself. We're all in the journey together. We're all there. So give mercy to those in need. Give mercy to your offenders and give mercy to yourself. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. So contentment, fulfillment in life, happiness in this life. When we show mercy, we'll be shown mercy. We've arrived at the conclusion of, of the message and I pray that you understand the mercy you've been shown. The mercy you're to offer others and the mercy you're to offer yourself. The beauty is you'll just be shown more mercy and we don't want to take advantage of it, but we should repay mercy with mercy. Can we do that? Can we repay mercy with mercy? At the beginning of my message, I said this statement. I might have caught you off guard, but I said, because of our broken culture, we feel like we have to maintain our own self-appearance so we cancel others that it might make us look better. I'm gonna read it again. Because of our broken culture, we feel like we have to maintain our own self-appearance so we cancel others that it might make us look better. And if you didn't hear anything else today, I said the word mercy probably 300 times in this message. If you didn't hear anything else, I pray the eyes of your heart will be open and your minds will be softened to hear this today. I simply want to remind you of the fact that Jesus willingly laid down his self-appearance for us. See, Jesus stood in between the Pharisees and the adulterous woman in John 8, and he drew a line in the sand and he said, those of you without sin, throw the first stone. He sacrificed his self-appearance in a moment where it would have been easy to stand with the Pharisees and judge. Yet he stood in the gap and said, throw the first stone if you're without sin. He sacrificed his own selfish appearance. See, he willingly walked up to Zacchaeus at a tree in front of crowds of people. And he said, let me eat at your house today. This sinner, this tax collector, this guy who had robbed and stolen from so many people, he said, I want to sit with you. And because Jesus sacrificed his appearance, Zacchaeus was saved and repaid four times the amount. It went on for generations and generations, the transformation of this. He called the most unlikely men to be his disciples. 
He walked along the sea and said, come, follow me. These men who were tax collectors, these fishermen, he said, why don't you come follow me? He didn't care what they looked like. He didn't care about their past. He gave them mercy on mercy. And he said, I don't care what I look like, come follow me. See, Jesus knelt down and washed his disciples' feet. He got down and he humbled himself. He said, I don't care how foolish I look. I'm gonna wash your feet. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna show you that I'm here to serve and I'm here to show you love. And church, he willingly submitted himself to the judgment of others. He got spit on, rejected, cursed by the people who came to simply, where he came to show mercy. He was mocked and scorned. Yet he laid down his appearance. How much more are we meant to follow that example? Like he's laid it out for us. He's made it so plain and clear. It's not about us. Just show mercy. Give mercy. And you will be shown mercy. Regardless of how he makes you look, should be our ever current response and lifestyle. We're culture setters, amen? Would you stand to your feet? I said, we're culture setters, amen, Grace City, Tampa. Even when culture screams, condemn, cancel, reject, let's approach with mercy. And let's let God judge, amen? Let's let God judge. He's the God who's never given up on us. So we can't give up on others and we can't give up on ourselves. I would ask all of you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we just want to give an opportunity right now for anybody who's come in here today and you would say, I'm, I'm just wanting to begin this journey. I don't know about God. I don't know about Jesus. And I hear all that you're talking about and I know that I need to enter into this relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you've been on this journey, but you've kind of drifted away and you want to return to the Lord today. This is just a moment to take your first step. This is just an opportunity for you to raise your hand and just say, yeah, today I want to step forward into all that God has for my life and enter into this relationship. So I'm gonna count to three. And at the count of three, if that's you, would you just raise and wave your hand at me? It's just to acknowledge that you want to take this great leap of faith. One, know that God loves you. He gave his one and only son to die on the cross that you might know life and life to the fullest. He wants you to experience life in the fullest today, not just in heaven, but he offers eternal life to you as well. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer. Your past doesn't define you any longer. He's offering mercy in this moment. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Come on, I see your hand, hallelujah. I see your hand, I see your hand. Come on, I see your hand. Come on, can we celebrate people raising their hands in the house of God? Come on, church. We gotta celebrate. This is why we're here. This is why we're gathering. People receiving mercy on mercy and walking in it. Praise the Lord. I hope that brings you joy today, church. Welcome to the family. So glad you made the decision to follow after Jesus. I saw four hands today. God is working in people's lives. second one of our team is going to come out and pray the sinner's prayer with all of us because we believe we're all sinners we've all fallen short of the glory of God and, and 
we are in need of a savior and we want to remind ourselves and partner together with those who have just said they want to give their life to Jesus. Before we do that, I know I said the word mercy a lot today. I want us to understand the mercy we've received, the mercy we're to show and how to give it. I hope it was simple and practical for you. And now our response is just to be more like Jesus. So just raise your hands. As an act of surrender, I know this might be weird for some of you. Maybe you aren't from a church where we raise our hands like this, but this is just a posture of surrender. This is saying, I give up. I lay down my life. And that's the truth for today, God. We understand the mercy we have received. We understand the love you have shown us. And so just like your word says in Colossians 3, we want to put on love. We want to lay down our lives so that we can show mercy on mercy on mercy just like you've shown us. When you died on the cross and you gave your life for us and you showed us mercy forevermore, God, let us be dealers of mercy. Let us walk down the streets. Let our words be full of mercy. Let our actions be full of mercy. Lord, I pray that we would live lifestyles of mercy and that we would set a culture of mercy in this great broken world that people in this room would be known for the mercy that they give and the mercy they offer not expecting anything in return. Lord, let us give mercy to others. Let us give mercy to our offenders. And let us give mercy to ourselves and receive the great grace and the mercy that you have given us in Jesus' mighty name. So come on, church. We're going to sing grace upon grace upon grace. Let's declare it out together. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.